What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer, and today I have uh, the special pleasure of welcoming Greg Carroll, a very well-known and accomplished reef keeper who has been recognized with Tank of the Month honors on Reef Central, has had corals named after him, is president of one of the largest reef clubs in America, the Southern California Marine Aquarium Society, SCMAS, is one of the founders of Reef Palooza, and has also been a speaker at a Reef Aquarium conferences. Greg, did I miss anything? That's a, quite a bio you got going on there. Yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing today? Pretty good, man. How you doing? I, I really appreciate you taking the time mm-hmm. out to uh, to be a part of the show, and and uh, you know we have a lot of uh, things that I'd love to uh, ask you and talk about, and and I think that um, it would be. Really, the, the, the point of this live stream tonight is an educational one and try to, try to um, you know, help others out there understand your philosophies in terms of reef keeping and, and you know, if you could share, you know, what, uh, what you do and what, what, uh, how you keep a tank and your practices and principles and what have you. But we're going to kind of get into all of that stuff and, and um, Absolutely. we're going to look at a, some, um, some videos of your old tank, a video or actually some um, pictures of your new uh, tank that's been up for about, what, a month and a half or so? Yeah, about, about a month and a half. About a month and a half. Um, but uh, I always kind of like to start the show with a, with a question with my guests in terms of how you got into reef keeping, how you got into the hobby. So what, what's your story, Greg, in terms of uh, how you became uh, a, a reef aquarium? So, okay, so my story is a little different uh, uh, than, than most. Um, I have always been a competitor, uh, you know, whether it be athletics and then after college, I got into car audio competitions uh, on the national levels. Uh, I actually won the world championships. And uh, one of the things, you know, after winning, it kind of wasn't fun anymore <laughs> because, you know, I had already, I had already got there. Um, I used to always go to local fish stores just to just to see the fish. Never had the thought that I would have an aquarium, but I used to go at least every other weekend, you know, just to go check out these fish stores. My wife would come with me or started off as girlfriend at the time, and she had had a saltwater tank when she was younger, and uh, she's like, oh, why don't you get a tank? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> So, uh, one year, the year before we got married for Christmas, she got me a fish tank and, uh, that was it. How big was that tank? That was a 40 gallon. It was, it was an eclipse tank, a Marine land eclipse, you know, had the, uh, you know, the, the paddle wheel and all that. I mean, it was horrible (laughs) and I killed a lot of stuff. Yeah. But. Um, I got lucky uh, early on. I got, I was in a fish store one day and a guy gave me a card to this. It was a small wholesaler who would on the weekends open uh, to the public or not the public. You'd have to buy a membership. I started going there and they're like, oh, you know, tell me about your aquarium. I'm telling them about my aquarium. And they're like, oh, well, do you have a sump? And I'm like, what's a sump? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't have one of those. He's all, we got we to gotta get you a sump. Now I'm thinking, okay, you're just going to try to sell me something. All right? And he's all, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get you this. You're just going to go to Walmart, get this Rubbermaid tub, 
He's all, go to Home Depot, get this pipe and, you know, all the things. He just gave me a list. Bring your tank in. We'll drill it. Put a stand pipe in it. You'll be good to go. And I'm like, okay, so you're not selling me anything, actually. You're just <laughs> – I, I was hooked at that point with that, with that store. I mean, you know, going from having an all-in-one tank or, or more or less to having a sump was such a huge difference. Such a huge difference. So, um, you know, I just, I just jumped both feet in. Uh, next thing I know, I had a 29-gallon also. And then uh, we decided to move. Well, you know, when you move, you need a whole new tank. Of course. Because you can't move the old stuff to the new house. That yeah. just doesn't work. That's a great excuse so to get another 70, tank. Exactly. I got a 75-gallon tank. And then we decided to move to a bigger house, so I got the 225-gallon tank. And, uh, yeah, the rest was history. At that point, when I did the 225, that's when I decided I'm going SPS. So that was your first, uh, had, that was your first SPS tank, the 225? Yeah, yeah. So I was in the hobby at that time for maybe two years. Wow. Uh, two and a half, maybe. Um, and I got hooked up with, with a friend named Carlos Bazileski. And he taught, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Botwin, who is Oh Too Many Fish oh, on yeah, the yeah. forums. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He taught me, Dave Botwin, and then another guy, Hugo Zuniga, who's Sniper SPS, and he was also yep. a Tank of the Month. Yep. All three of us were taught by this guy, Carlos, all at the same time. And all of our systems more or less emulated his 225-gallon as well. Uh, in the philosophies, but I, I went a little different. I didn't do the 400 watt metal halides. I did 250s because I liked experimenting with things and trying trying different things. Right. And uh, you know, back then it wasn't. You know, most people, you know, couldn't color up SPS. That was their downfall. They couldn't color them up. They could keep them alive, barely, but they couldn't color them up. So uh, I got really good at coloring them up. And yeah, just so let um, so we have a nice um, long video of your um, 225, and that was the tank of the month in 2013 in ReCentral. So um, yes. I'm gonna just kind of start playing this uh, video, and um, yeah, talk more about it, Greg, in terms of what's in there. I mean, it's it's really just uh, it was chock full. Is it gonna show me the video on here? Yeah, because for some reason it's a I it's a it's a it. uh, it's a lag. So if you're watching it on uh, YouTube, it's a like a 10 second. No, I'm not on YouTube. Okay, I was wasn't able to find it. Oh. <laughs> so um, so I'm 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 just if if it's is it going to show me what everybody's seeing? Because I'm I'm still seeing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's showing the video right now to the audience. So you could talk okay. about the tank. Yeah. So, so basically, um, I was really, really, really into equipment, and especially lighting. Um, I went through several different lighting on that tank. I went. I started off with four, uh, four 250 watt uh, double end, or I'm sorry, double ended bulbs. Then I went to five, or I went to excuse me, two single end with three uh, double ended. Uh, from there, I went to a Geisman Spectra with three 400s. Uh, from there, I went to uh, three 400s with, I don't know if you remember the Ecozotic Cannons. I don't. 
they they were a hundred watt LED, you know, just a blue LED floodlight. Um, I had a couple of those, and I had them mounted on the front fascia of the canopy, firing at an angle into the tank. Wow. So what that did is, you know, we always know SPS tanks look the best from the top down. By firing them at that angle, when you walked up to the tank, they were literally firing almost at the same angle that you're looking at the what tank. What gave you that idea to do that? It just it just came from looking at the aquarium all the time and saying, "Man, it looks so much better from the top." Right. Yeah. You Knocked know. Down. Yeah. And, and that, that that's all it was. So I was trying to get lights so that they were reflecting back at me, and it it made a huge difference. And that's that's the lighting that is in that video right there that you're uh, showing. Um, the tank had. Uh, the skimmer was a Aqua C EV 1000, and uh, that uh, the pump running that was a Mag 36 back when they made a Mag 36. Wow, a big, big beefy skimmer. Um, yep. uh, I had an Aqua C calcium reactor, uh, but uh, helping helping with design of the skimmers, I helped him with design of the uh, calcium reactor as well um he made me a custom one it held about five jars of of media wow it was huge wow. um you know so i could it, it didn't matter how much sps i had in there it just you sucked it up it, it could deliver it could deliver what i needed right um i, I never ran a a uh, lighted refugium i was kind of old school and there was just rubble rock in the in the refugium, um, and then I did hang a light where I where I was uh, farming uh, Xenia, um, and I was selling that to the local fish store, and and that I'll be honest with you, that funded my hobby for a long time just selling Xenia. Yeah, no, that's a smart because move. Because I farmed about 20, 20 stocks uh, a month, easy full grown stocks. Um, I had 175 watt metal halide, and those things were in like four inches of water. So they just grew like hotcakes. Wow. So talk talk more yeah. about the um, the lighting, Greg. I mean, how how much of a part of a success was it for this 225 gallon tank, or was it just kind of like one of the uh, the pieces of the puzzle here in terms of you know it it sounded like you you tried a bunch of different uh, you know bulbs and fixtures and whatnot. What um, what finally yes. kind of cause the tank to really take off um you know the tank the tank took off from the very get-go um when i started using i was using the aqualine bush um uh, you know the 10k uh, double-ended bulbs yeah. um everything everything i used i can't say there's anything that uh didn't work well it was just uh the when i got to the phoenixes and when i got to the radiums that's when the color came out yeah, um, I uh, luckily I love the. Um, Southern I was gonna say I love the twenty k um, four hundred watt radium bulbs. I still use those. You yeah, um, I actually prefer the two fifty watt, uh, you know, on an HQI ballast, but um, you know, because they're almost as bright as the four hundred watt, and I could, you know, I was running several of them over my tank, um, but but the Phoenix uh, the Phoenix bulb 
for a long time was my go-to bowl when I was running 250 double-ended. Um, a lot of people don't realize, but the uh, uh, the picture on the box is from my tank. Oh, really? Uh, of the Phoenix Bowls, yeah. <laughs> so because they're they're they had an office right here in Orange County, uh, as did Ushio. I did a lot of beta testing for Ushio uh, uh, when they brought in their 14k and their and their 20k bulbs because I was close enough that they could come to my house with the engineers to look to see the reactions of the corals. So, so, so Greg, what, um, so yeah. what else, you know, so you talked about, um, the lighting for that older tank and you, you talked about, um, you know, the calcium reactor, what, what else, what, what were the other, you know, pieces to the puzzle there in terms of, you know, your success? Did you do any dosing? Did you use aminos? Um, you know, what kind of, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I did dose, uh, uh, pretty bio for a while. Um, and, and that was just, you know, more or less for nutrient control. Yep. Um, but then I got even lazier because two, you know, doing it every two weeks wasn't, was still too much work for me. So I went to bio pellets uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of work with Warner Marine also, uh, with development of products, uh, and beta tested for him. And I was running those, uh, the Warner Marine bio pellets that he had, yep. um, they, they worked great. I mean, it was, it was just a matter, I, you know, something was going to bottom out. It was either going to be phosphate or nitrate and, you know, it, because you're giving it a constant, uh, carbon source, uh, it, it kept the nutrients really low, especially, you know, having a big skimmer. That's the advantage of having a big skimmer is, is all those, all those organics are eaten up by that bacteria and the skimmer just pulls it right out. What do you like to keep your nitrates and phosphates at? Don't even pay attention to them. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, I can kind of tell when they're high. If I mean, you know, basically, you know, as we know, bacteria consumes approximately the red field ratio of nitrates to phosphates. Your food has approximately that same ratio. Uh, the only time I think it goes off, you know, out of balance, is if you have a lot of denitrification going on in your system. So you, at that point, your nitrates may bottom out, but your phosphates still go. Um, I just basically try to keep everything in that natural ratio and let bacteria do its work. So a lot of, uh, you know, when you're, uh, is it a lot of it uh, observation for you too, just in terms of making? It's a lot of it's observation. Right. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, when you clean the glass and if, if you go a week and don't have to clean the glass, you know, your, you know, your nutrients are low. There's really no reason to check them to me. You know right. what I mean? Um, but if I clean the glass and, and a day later, you know, I'm getting a slight haze on it again. I know, hey, you know, they're creeping up right. there, you know, maybe give it a little more carbon if if I'm not running bio pellets or whatnot. But when you're running bio pellets, it pretty much something's going to be zero. It's either going to be the nitrate or the phosphate because you're you're uh, you're bound by that. You, you, you're giving an unlo- unlimited carbon source. So you're going to have something else has to bottom out. Um, but I feel that that's a good problem to have mm-hmm. having, 
near zero is a good problem to have because that just means you can just continue to feed. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think corals get more nutrition out of getting their phos phosphate and nitrate out of food than just getting the raw nitrate and phosphate out of the water column. I just feel it's healthier for them. So, you know, that's the way I look at it. Do you ever uh, do any nitrate or phosphate dosing, or are you pretty much just, um, nope? You, nope, I would just, you just feed, feed your fish more. It's a good, like I said, it's a good problem. It's a, No, no, no. I'll feed, the, feed corals. the corals. Um, you know, I really like the, the uh, oyster feast from Reef yep. Nutrition. Uh, that's kind of my go-to. Uh, feeds the whole system, you know, the microfauna and everything. I love How often stuff. do you feed that? I usually every couple of yeah. days. Um, you know, I, I don't do anything regimented. I don't feed anything religiously. I'll go a day or two without feeding. It's not a it's not a big deal. There's plenty of pods in the tank for the fish. Um, because I, you know, when I do feed and I feed heavy when I feed. But all of that is dictated on the nutrient levels in the tank also. I mean, if nutrient levels seem like they need to come down a little bit, I'll be a little more conservative on food. Everything I do is reactionary. You know, it's, it's, it's about watching the tank and seeing how it reacts, and that's, that dictates my action. Yeah, no, that's a good way to do it. You know, I think, I think um, observation is a very, very important thing in terms of reef keeping, and, um, you know, you got to have, always have eyes on the tank and, and just be very, very um, aware of what's going on with that tank. And I always feel like sometimes we get a little too crazy chasing numbers in this hobby and that um, you can really kind of get twisted Absolutely. up in that sense and um, go down a rabbit hole that you might not really need to go down. I mean, certainly, um, you know, yep. it's great to have the controllers and, and to monitor, you know, certain automatic, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, monitoring and controlling. Those things are great. But by the, you know, the end of the day, you got to really have a lot of common sense and, um, Trust your instinct, I think, is, is really important. Right. right. Um, so I'm, I'm showing a couple of the pictures, uh, too, Greg, of, of the, uh, the corals in that old tank. I showed the acroberry, and the, um, I'm showing the shortcake right now. You had a little uh, frag of the shortcake in there. And um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that eflow is the Greg Carroll uh, eflow that uh, you have a picture of? Yes. Well, um, you know, I'm not sure if that's the $500 eFlow or the, or the Greg Carroll eFlow, um, because there was a time when we were considering moving, and I took out the, the big eFlow. I took it to my buddy Steve Garrett's place, and it died. Yeah. But I had a, a smaller piece of it, and I put it back, so then... The $500 FLO that I had grown from a frag probably the size of a pencil eraser grew into the same size for a good 24-inch wow. column. So, that's that's yeah. awesome. So how does one have a coral named after him there, Greg? So, <laughs> so basically, um, I lived about 10 minutes away from Steve Tyree. Um, and I guess he had heard about my tank. And... Uh, contacted me and was like, you know, I'd like to come see it, you know, uh, here, here you got some awesome stuff, Come comes over, you know, I'm showing him everything, and he's like, hey, you know, I'd really like to make some of these pieces limited editions, 
And, uh, you know, I know you only sell locally. You don't really ship. So, you know, what do you think? And he's like, just give me two frags of each thing. And then, you know, there, there you go, you know, of each, of each thing. Um, back then, Steve Tyree would evaluate the coral. So he wouldn't make it a limited edition unless he could keep the same color that you could, that you were doing. Wow. So, um, you know, some of Acroberry was one he couldn't keep. He couldn't keep the color. Um, I kind of now know that it was because it doesn't show that color until it gets larger. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of is purple. And, and then the other colors come out as it gets into a full-blown table. Right. So, um you know, so so that one never became a limited edition. But here in Southern California, that's most people's favorite coral that I have. Uh, looks like it looks like so. an awesome coral. So, um, Greg, we're getting a bunch of comments yeah. and questions, and um, I think we'll we'll start getting okay. into those things. But let's let's, let's, um, let's also transition into your uh, well. One of the uh, interesting comments was Greg by K Dub Corals. Greg has more BBQ on his channel than reefing. Tell him he makes me hungry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do love to cook. Um, you know, it, I I actually out of high school. Uh, I went to a high school that had a a school student run restaurant, and I actually was offered a culinary uh, oh, no scholarship. Uh, but I was an athlete, and I wanted to run track, so I passed up on Things it. Things always so. happen for a reason, so right? They yeah. do. They do. For All sure. right, so uh, folks they, uh, that uh, that are viewing right now, certainly uh, feel free to uh, to ask Greg uh, some questions, and and um, we'll get to those after we talk about this new tank build that you got going on. It's actually it's built, right? It's running, and um, yes, yes. I'll, um, you want to start with the equipment, uh, Greg, because I got some of the pictures that you uh, sent me of the sump and and what have you. All yes. right, so so. So, uh, you know, years ago in 2007, well, first off, let's start with the okay. tank. Uh, the tank is an AGE uh, out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, very similar very similar to uh, Planet Aquariums. Actually, the owners of both companies used to work for Oceanic. Oh, really? And when Oceanic broke up, these two guys opened separate companies. And they both make similar tanks with the PVC bottoms and... Uh, and the stainless steel frame around the edges. Uh, I really like that, especially living here in California where we have the threat of an earthquake. Um, I like that having that security that those seams, I mean, water literally to, to go through a seam has got to go through three quarters of an inch of silicone wow. before it takes it out. Wow. <laughs> because it's got, it's the, the, all the side panels and front panel, they all, sit in a U of silicone because they they are they're routered the PVC bottom is routered and the and the piece drops into it. Wow. So it, it's got silicone down, under, and then back up again on the other side. So it's nice uh, to have that it's nice it to have that peace like, of mind. Exactly, exactly. And we all know, you know, you know how how uh, little things like just a, a tank being out of balance can can pop a tank especially a large tank you know but these tanks don't ha you don't have that worry the bottom flexes i mean it's pvc wow. 
the the uh, there's there's the rigidity of the tank. There's no flexing whatsoever. It's angle iron, stainless steel angle iron. Uh, you know, holding it all together. It's it's really I for for me it was the ultimate uh, uh, tank. You know, I you know I could have gone with reef savvy. You know, but. But I really, I really wanted the PVC bottom. Yeah, I, you know that's, uh, and, and I'm showing a picture of the tank with the sump underneath, and and um, Neil's been yes. uh, divorced. I, I finally found it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I can... Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting some nice comments on the Aquascape there, and uh, you had some help on that Aquascape, didn't you? I did. Um, so Marco Rock came out with that shelf rock, um, and I saw it at. Uh, Reefapalooza Orlando that was the first place they brought it and I was blown away I was like man I gotta have it's that rock cool in my stuff. tank and I talked with Mark yeah I talked with Mark and Mark's like yeah man whenever you're ready we'll, we'll get you the, we'll get you it and and Joe was standing there too you're and talking he's like, about Joe Caparetta right yeah Joe Caparetta right. yeah he, he's all he's all you know feed me some beer I'll do the opposite. From Unique Corals. Yeah. And I'm like, deal. Yes, yeah. deal. Yeah. So uh, Joe came over and and aquascaped the uh, the tank. You know, I, we took a break, uh, made some ribs. We <laughs> ate some ribs, and we went back and glued it all together uh, with, with uh, Marco Cement. And, yeah, it came out phenomenal. I was happy. You know, I, I, I will say there was a there, – there is an advantage – to having someone like Joe do your aquascape is he had a lot of rock to choose right. from. He probably brought 20 boxes of rock. Oh, wow. For us to oh, wow. pieces wow. from. Yeah. So, um, so that made it really easy to find the right piece. Um, you know, could it have been done similarly with, with less rock? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I, I really love the way it, I, it is. It, it is everything. I it is awesome. I mean, I love the shelves and whatnot. So for an SPS dominant tank, that is absolutely a, um, an awesome yeah. way to go. So I, my big question to you is, and I'm, I'm assuming the, the old 225 gallon tank, you started that with live rock or no? Yes, actually that was Marshall Island rock, you know, can't get today was yeah. so coveted. Yeah. Yeah, it was so coveted back in the day because that stuff was so lightweight, so porous. It had the nice shapes like Pucani, but it, it was much more porous than, than Pucani. And, yeah, you can't get it anymore. And, you know, I gave all that away. I gave all the oh, rock man. away. That everything. stuff was gold. I, my yeah. Whole, yeah, yeah. I, I, I gave away uh, to friends almost everything in that aquarium. Wow. Um, you know, and... You know, there's a lot of those friends are still in the hobby, and uh, they're going to hook me up. So, you know, it's uh, with all the about new tank. so yeah, it all, all about good out. karma. You know, so um, exactly. So now you've got a dry rock tank, right? You started this tank with dry mm -hmm. rock only. Was what was the reason yes. behind that? Was it because of the lack of availability of live rock? Was it because you liked the advantages of dry rock in terms of being able to have the really cool scapes? No. What uh, what was behind that? Decision? No. So, so what happened is I you know I I had this little twenty five gallon when we first moved in the tank that had been sitting in my storage and I set it up in here 
And I realized that the future of this hobby is dry rock. Um, we can't bring in live rock anymore. So the future is dry rock. So I decided, you know, I'm going to start this tank and I'm going to look at it from the standpoint of what are the advantages of, of live rock versus dry rock, you know? And one of the things I said was, well, sponge, we all know sponge absorbs a lot of nutrients in an aquarium. So I actually went over to my buddy's place, pulled some, some sponge out of his rubble rock in his sump, and I put it in a little, a little uh, Petri dish kind of like, you know, and set it in the sump. It actually populated into the aquarium. It's on all the rocks now, um, you know, on the undersides of rocks. It, it, for some reason, I, you know, and then I, then I you know, got uh, 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 little, you know, critters like, you know, uh, pods and so forth. You know, I just brought in all the things that I would bring, that, that live rock gave you from the beginning. So, you know, in my opinion, you can start off with dry rock, but you've got you to gotta do the things to make it live. You got to bring in the bacteria. You got to bring in sponge if you want sponge. Now, the big tank, I'm, I'm going to try not doing sponge on that tank, uh, just to see. But I am going to, I'm going to do use a different method of of helping the water out. And a lot of people don't realize how much these critters uh, consume, but clams. Right. Clams take a lot of nitrates and other organics out of your water column and really can help uh, uh, get you some crystal clear water. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, add a few clams into the big tank and we'll, you know, we'll deal with it. That so way. I got a, I got a couple so, more questions for you. And, and actually we had a uh -huh. question from K-Dub uh, Corals and this is a question that I had as well in terms of how, how has that cycle process gone with the new tank? He, um, he used the same Marco well, rock as well. Right. So, so I will say I added the pods too early okay. um, because I put the pods in after I put uh, the first fish in and about a week later I had another mini cycle. Yeah. So in retrospect, I, you know, I would know next time, Hey, don't, you know, don't do it so fast. Um, my plan is to, you know, get one of those 3D printed pod hotels <laughs> and I'm just going to stick it in the 25 gallon with some uh, phytoplankton and let it colonize with pods and then I'll just move it into the big tank. Problem solved. I mean, all you got to do with pods, it, once you have them, just feed them phyto. They're going to reproduce like rabbits. Yeah, you know, I, um, so, I started... My current 187-gallon tank, I'd always use live rock, and I decided to start it with uh, dry rock five years ago. And, um, you know, I, mm -hmm. I did the, uh, the bacteria, you know, the booster products in terms of the bacteria, but that was kind of pretty much it. And I had one problem after another with that tank. It was, you know, I had the dinos with mm -hmm. it, and, um, you know, it, it seems like more and more people are, are, you know, doing that in terms of with dry rock, and they're ending up with, uh, you know, the, uh, the dinos as, a, as an outbreak, and... 
So, you know, I had yeah. like uh, diatoms, I had a bacterial bloom. I mean, I never had this stuff with, um, with the live rock and it was just kind of like one thing after right. another. So it's, uh, you know, I think you're making some really good points and, and certainly would um, be good tips for people that are starting these dry rock only tanks is that the biodiversity is important because if you don't have that, that's what the live rock provided and the dry rock exactly. doesn't have that. So, exactly. Um, all right. I'm looking at some more, um, uh, questions here greg we have um we had a mm -hmm. couple of questions i'm going to show your um your sump a picture of your sump and and that okay. um that is a beautiful thing in terms of the engineering of that sump man you got a lot of stuff fit nice and snug in there yes um jeff's reef tank it says uh, i see what looks like a zeo reactor in, in your sump do you plan on running zeovit so i'm not going to run zeovit i'm going to run the brightwell neo zeo okay so it's similar, similar system. I'm going to try it out. Um, you know, the, the sump was, was kind of a uh, creation of the owner of Vertex, uh, Jason. And what happened was, you know, he was going to the factory and he was going to be there six months. He's like, hey, I'm going to make you a sump. What size can I make it? And I gave him like parameters and that's what he brought me. And, really? Uh, it was way way more entailed than what I ever imagined. Um, you know, it, it's got two media reactors. Uh, it's got the Zeo reactor. I would have never run Zeo. Um, I really don't run media either. Oh, no carbon? Um, so I would have just, I rarely run carbon. I only run carbon if when I'm doing a water change, I see that the water's got tannins in it. Right. You know, that yellowish color. And then I'll run some carbon for a couple of days and then I'll throw it out. I just don't regularly run run any of that. I let the live rock and other uh, other critters and so forth do their job. What's your uh, – go ahead. So, um, oh, so, so, so basically, you know, it's, it's only got one sock in it. Huh. And uh, he believes in low flow. So – um, I could pretty much, you know, only run about 1500 gallons max, uh, through that thing. Uh, but you know, if, if I feed any small food, it just plugs up the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing and I got to change, change the sock so often. So, um, but, but you know, it's a beautiful sump. It's a PVC with a, you know, the front panel is acrylic. It's all the seams are welded just like a Royal exclusive. Yep. Um, there is the ability in that sump to literally pump the water out of each and every chamber. Oh, cool. By by turning different valves, you know, and, and what I, I haven't hooked it up yet, but I have uh, my water change system has those uh, like fire hose type connections. Yep. Um, so I'm going to have one of those on the sump. I'll just put the hose on there and then turn on the pump. And pump it right out into the gut. What do you uh, What do you so, like to do in terms of water changes? What's your philosophy on water changes? What percentage? How often? You know, uh, it's it's more based on how much water I can make. And at this time, I can make fifty five gallons, so it'll be a fifty five gallon water you change. Um, you know, my old tank, I had a thirty gallon brute. I made thirty gallon water <laughs> changes. How so, How often? Um, how often know, do you do that? Every two, every two weeks. weeks? I do them every yeah. two weeks or so. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So let's. Uh, we had one more question about um, equipment here. Question for Greg from Tom Reefman two hundred two. How do you feel about thumb screws on reactors? <laughs> so um, I, I one one of the things I'm famous for is I have a sheer hatred of thumb screws. <laughs> so many people will be like, you know, you know, I want. You know, get a geo calcium reactor. No, it's got thumb screws. <laughs> if you put the screw lid on there, I'm all for geo. <laughs> but thumb screws, no, I just can't do it. I, you know, so all the media reactors, everything is twist lock. Um, yeah, no thumb screws in that aquarium whatsoever. <laughs> and don't ever expect to you see any. You don't want to see any. I got you. <laughs> All right, no. so um, one thing we, we uh, have not talked about and we did not see in that picture of the new tank and the, uh, the sump is the lighting that you're using for this new tank. So we talked about, you know, the middle halide lighting on the, um, the, the 225. Yes. So let's talk about what you're going with with this uh, new tank. Okay, so on the new tank, and I'm sorry I didn't send you that picture, but um, the new tank, I went with uh, Radeon uh, uh, XR30 uh, G4 Pros. Now, one of the things I did is I arranged them a little different than what most people do. Most people just, you know, make them even spacing all the way across the tank. But after watching some of the BRS videos and seeing uh, the way the PAR reacts, with LED fixtures, especially when you have multiple, where literally you just end up with an extremely hot spot in the middle of the tank. I tried to prevent that. And what I did is I also wanted to emulate the metal halides. So two of them were butt next to each other. And then in the, on the far end of one, of, you know, and then there's another two in the middle and another two at the other end. Now the tank's only five feet long. So that space between the pairs is probably about five inches, six right. inches. But it actually gives me a nice, even par all the way across the tank. And, uh, you know, when I had metal halides, I really had extremely high par numbers. You know, down, down around where the corals were, I was probably around 1,000. Wow. You know, the uh, PPF. So... I wanted to be able to know that I could emulate that. You know, I know with LEDs, you don't quite need as much par. And, and also, you don't need as much par if your water quality is crystal right. clear. But um, these XR30s, I, I, I don't see any reason to go to G5s, you know, anytime soon. Because, yeah, they're, I mean, I'm able to get almost 600 at the bottom of a 27-inch And that's running full intensity or no? That's running AV plus. Okay. okay. That's not running. That's not running full intensity. I didn't. I. That was never ever going to happen anyway. You know, AV plus is about as white as I would ever run the tank. So I. That. That was all I measured. Um, I'm sure it'd be probably a couple hundred uh, higher if I uh, was to run it. You know, all colors, 100. percent What? Um. So you know. You're, you're an SPS guy and, um, you know, halides for, for years and years and years were kind of like the, um, you know, that was the way to grow SPS, really 
uh, well, color them oh, up yeah. and what have you. And, and then, you know, LEDs came on the scene in, uh, a few years ago, and they've really um, predominated the market in terms of what people are using today. So um, you mentioned the G4s versus the G5s. What, um, what made you go with the G4, and, um, you know, how also would you compare the, uh, the G5 to the G4? So a couple of questions uh, wrapped together so, there for you. So, okay. Um, so the reason I went with the G4 is I actually got the lights before the G5s were – I'd had them for over okay. a year. So, you know, I already had them. Um, but the difference with the G5 is I used to always say, you know, we, we talked earlier about the GHL lights. That, that was like the best engineered light until this G5 came out because the things they did – if you take a G4 Pro and run AV Plus and you take an XR15 uh, Blue, which out of the box at 100% runs AV Plus, they're almost the same brightness. Oh. So, and, and the reason why is because the XR15 is running at about 100 watts. When you're running AV Plus on a Radeon at 100%, you're running about 105, 110 watts. You're right there. So what they did is they gave you the ability to use less light but give you more. Right. So, um, you know, an XR30 running AB, AB Plus, the, the, the blue is – it's just a whole lot of light. Right. And I probably could have got away with only four of them easily. Wow. Now, um, a lot of people run hybrid systems, right? So they'll run a hybrid T5 LED type of system. Why, um, why didn't you go that route? Why, uh, why not the T5s as well as the LEDs? So I, so I did, when I had the Giesemann, um Spectra, uh, I ran T5s uh, for a little while. And I loved that fixture. It was a beautiful fixture. But my eye just seems really sensitive to the green that is given off by a T5. So when I see a tank running T5, I don't see that royal blue color. I see green, an aqua color. So even with their blue bulbs, that's the color that dominates my eye. It may just be a color blindness. I don't, you know, I don't know, but that I'm very sensitive to that color and I just it just looks washed out. The tank just looks washed out with it. Takes great pictures with T5. I don't think anything you can take a picture better than with T than T5. But to my eye, the coral looks nothing like that, like what it comes out in a picture. Right. Well, that's important. What? So, um, and I don't know if other people have the same the same sensitivity. It's just I know that I have. Right. Yeah. Um, Another question for you in terms of uh, the different lighting options. So Orphanic makes um, some nice fixtures in terms of LEDs. What, what are your thoughts on the Orphanic uh, um, LED fixtures? Oh, did, I, did I tee up um, something really interesting for you there, uh, Greg? <laughs> black box in a pretty case. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. So there's a um, lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of get a lot of giddy up out of that. So, so. So r realistically, it's, you know, years ago when Orphec first started and they were coming out with all their articles and they were bombarding everybody with these articles. And then I kind of discovered that uh, the guy who was writing the articles 
happened to be college roommates with the guy who was the distributor. And then from there, it just snowballed. And then I found the lights on Alibaba. Oh, really? And I posted a picture of that on the forum. And next thing you know, they were no longer on Alibaba. I mean, it's just, you know, people would order their lights. They come shipped directly from China. This is before BRS. So, I, you know, I've taken one apart. Um, they're okay, but they're not a premium light. I, I, I just don't get it. You know, does it work? Maybe. Um, I, I challenge anybody to go on YouTube and look at all the people who have run Orfec lights and tell me why after about four months they're no longer making videos anymore. Interesting. What happened to their tank? I don't know. Nobody knows. But there aren't a lot of long-term successes. Uh, one of the most popular people, this guy Peter... Uh, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you remember him. Nine ball. Uh, he had that thirteen hundred gallon tank in Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that split a seam and everything. Um, you know, I got a friend that lived in Toronto, and that tank. I mean, everything died. Mm. I don't know if it was the lights. I don't know, but I just think they're overhyped. They're, they're, they're. they're I, I, I can't wait. I mean, we already saw BRS do the test of the uh, Orfec Compact uh, comparatively, and uh, yeah, XR15 smokes it. So, let me. Uh, it, it's let me. It's not worth the money, in my opinion. Gotcha. Let me uh, let me throw out another uh, um, manufacturer in terms of a, a Gen Two light coming out. Philips. What do you? Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, that new product coming out. It'll be for some people. I think, I think that light, you know, my, my only problem with that light is the weight. They cured some of the weight problems. You know, they shaved seven pounds off that thing. Wow. But when you start off at 22 pounds, getting down to 15 is not much of an accomplishment <laughs> to me. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the power supply, everything is all within the light. I don't look at it as a home light. I look at it still more as a commercial light. I can absolutely see Coral Farms running that light, um, you know, because it's big, it even spread and whatnot. Um, but I just, I mean, you know, so there's going to be some people that are going to run them for right. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but not me. I'm not a big fan of of European made LED lights. A lot of this comes back to, I think they're all geared towards a white light. We don't want to see our tanks under white light. White light, sure, it grows coral. It grows coral. It grows it faster. It's better. I mean, remember the old Iwasaki 65? Yeah. Nobody want to look at their tank under yeah, I know. things. It's just they reality. They grow corals fast, you know? so like so, you said. Yeah, it grows corals fast. So I think the European people are really big into coral health and, you know, growing, growing these huge colonies and da 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 But here in America, right now, the obsession is color. Yeah, it is. The obsession, the obsession is bringing out as many colors as you can. And what does that is blue light. So that's, I mean, I know I can grow corals. That's the easy part. But coloring corals is all I care about. So, um, you know, that's, 
I that's one reason why I like the AB plus spectrum. Yep, I got you, man. Um, all right, let's uh, let's shift a little uh, some gears a little bit, uh, Greg, okay. and, and talk about some other uh, types of equipment. We got um, one question um, in terms of: Are you planning on running an alkalinity monitor on your on your new tank? So, um, probably I do have an Apex. I have not installed it yet. Um, I need to move some stuff out of the way because it's going to go on the wall. I have one of those, uh, the Marine Depot, uh, uh, controller boards. Yep. So, um, so I have a, I have a 2016 Apex, uh, I'll run that. And in all honesty, you got an Apex, you, you might as well run the Trident. Um, it's kind of the standard at the moment, uh, 600 bucks. I mean, if you already have an Apex, six hundred bucks. There's there's nothing out there that you can beat it, right? You know, price wise. So, um, you know, I was really looking forward to the Mindstream, but that didn't just another ambitious product that folded. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, and you know, I also think it was going to be tough for them in terms of a uh, subscription model. I thought that was um, going to be tough to ask people to pay that kind of money on a monthly basis for something like that when you're not used to doing that in the reef keeping hobby. Yeah, but but you, but you're still having to do it with with uh, uh, with the Neptune also. You're it's a I mean basically because they tell you don't let that thing run dry. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I mean you're having you, you know that's the whole the whole business model for a lot of these companies is the consumables. Um, I really really like the Alcatronic. I really like the Alcatronic, and you know. Maybe I might go that route, you know, if if it wasn't for the Apex. That not even maybe. That is the route I would go. But but realistically, I, I don't really feel that I need a monitor to tell me. You know, I'm one of the few people who kept an SPS tank going continuously for ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you that's know? that is kind of and, uh, hard to and, do. And yeah, it, it really is because you're always one day away from losing everything. Yeah. You really are. I mean, I can't tell you how, you know, I had colonies that, hey, when the alkalinity was dropping, you know, you literally had no more than 48 hours. If I ran out of CO2 and didn't know it, 48 hours, I could be at such a low alkalinity, I would lose yeah. everything. So it's it. That's why I always say you've got to learn to read your corals. Don't chase, not chasing numbers. You know the corals are going to tell you what you need to do. Now, of course, if I had an if I had an Alcatronic or or a Trident, it would have told me, hey man, your alkalinity is dropping. You better figure out why. Right. You know that's that's great. That's great to have. I just don't know that it's necessary, but it's a great tool, and and I would definitely welcome it. I just don't know that I want to be calibrating the device and so forth every month. I'm still hoping somebody comes up with an easier method. <laughs> you know, that's why I like the Mindstream. It was like, just put a new, a new uh, disc on and boom, you know, you're done. It's calibrated and everything. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, um, I can definitely relate. I mean, back when I first got into the hobby and I've been in, I've been in, um, you know, just as long as you in terms of the number of years in terms of uh, reef keeping. I um, really didn't um, test a lot of stuff. I never tested um, 
phosphate. I would, um, you know, test my alkalinity, my calcium every week. I don't think I even tested magnesium and, uh, you know, nitrate. And that was kind of it. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it is nice these days to have the, uh, the technology. And, and technology can be your friend, but it could also be your enemy, I think. And um, you, you can't lean yeah. too heavily on it. And if there's too many moving parts, that's also not a good thing. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I really profess is points of failure. The more things you put that you automate and there's a device being used to automate it, that's a point of failure. So, you know, you got a return pump and it's got a controller, but then you want to control it with your apex. You've added another point of failure. If you plug it into that apex, you've added another point of failure. Yep. I mean, it's just everything everything compounds and a lot of people i know we want control but you don't want one thing to go wrong and literally destroy everything so like one of the things i did with this tank and i also did with the 225 is i had two dedicated circuits lights will be on one circuit along with the return pump Flow pumps will be on the other circuit. So one can trip and I still have circulation to the tank. You know, it, it, it's, it's one or the other. I mean, you know, but at least I know something can go wrong and I still have flow. Um, I'm not going to be putting my return pumps on. They have, their, they have built in controllers. Almost everything we have has built in controllers now. There's no, I just don't see a reason to control everything with your controller. I actually look at a controller more as a monitor than anything. Yeah, no, um, I think redundancy is, is so important in this uh, hobby. I always, um, you know, run two return pumps and, um, you know, I, um, I do run the, uh, the Proflux 4 controller, but I used to have the Apex and I still... Um, I still got the Apex running for a couple of just minor things as, as a backup, just to make sure that, um, you know, nothing right. is going to, um, you know, go out of whack and I have more, uh, you know, um, insight into that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's right. so very important to, to make sure that you are smart on certain things and, and to, um, you know, spend a little extra money if you need to, but ha have backups for certain types of equipment is so important. Gotcha. Definitely. I agree 100%. Hey, real quick, there was a comment in there. That someone commented, I had too much ice in my glass. <laughs> when, you go, when you have to bring in the whole bottle, <laughs> that's why you have a lot of ice. I missed that comment. Oh, you're, you're, uh... <laughs> I saw it, and I was like, I, I got I to remember to answer that. It was a while ago, maybe. 15, 20 so I don't, minutes ago, I don't want to get yeah. you in trouble with your uh, with your wife, Greg. We're coming up on uh, on uh, an hour now in, in terms of the show. We're good. Nobody bothered me. <laughs> um, yeah, folks, please. Um, if you got any more questions for uh, for Greg, we got him here. This is a uh, an awesome opportunity to ask a uh, a very accomplished reef keeper some questions. And and um, yeah and. So, so Greg, we um, on our kind of pre-call before the show uh, yesterday, we talked about skimmers mm -hmm. and, and the fact that you like to really use a very large skimmer on your uh, system. Yes. Can you talk about that? 
So, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, you know, you can over skim a tank. I don't think that's possible. Um, you know, you can't, there's, there's a lot of things people say in this hobby and I just find them as being excuses for failure. Um, in my opinion, a skimmer cannot over skim. It cannot be too big. I would rather have a big skimmer and have it do nothing until I actually need it to do something than to have a skimmer that literally skims all the time. That's just me. Because to me, a skimmer is so much more than just how much nutrients it pulls out of the water. Skimmer is like your lungs. It's the lungs of the tank. It introduces oxygen into the water on a consistent basis. And those little bubbles, you just don't understand how much surface area there is, you know, to, to come in contact. So I prefer to have the biggest skimmer I can have. Uh, you know, originally the tank was designed to have an Alpha 300, which had dual pumps on it. Um, I, I, I got the thing home, I put it all, put the sump in, and I couldn't get the Alpha 300 in the sun. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> because I only had 11 inches and the base is 12 inches. I just couldn't, I couldn't finagle it or anything to get it in. So I had to go back to Vertex and they, they gave me the Alpha 250 and that one fits in easy. But I always, I just feel that the oxygenation that is done, the higher ORP uh, that you get out of having a big skimmer and, you know, and, and also the, the benefits of pH that a big skimmer can give you is always more important than what it pulls. You know, it, it's going to pull nutrients when there's enough to pull. So that's just my philosophy and the way I've always looked at it. And I know a lot of people, you know, you know, they tell me, you know, they got a bigger skimmer and then, hey, man, you know, my pH went up and things started growing faster and, and so forth. And I'm like, that's why I do it. But then, you know, you got other people, well, that skimmer never skimmed hardly anything. And then they get a smaller skimmer and the skimmer starts, you know, pulling all kinds of stuff. They don't pay attention to the fact that their pH has gone down. They don't care. That's fine. You know, if they would rather look at the thing, you know, uh, you know, fill up the cup, that's fine. But you also got to take into consideration it's a much smaller cup. You know, take the cup from a six inch skimmer that's full and dump it in a skimmer cup that's a 10 inch diameter cup. You'll see it's not a lot. <laughs> it seems like a lot in that six inch in that six inch diameter skimmer, but it's truly not. So, you know. People need to look at all the factors that a skimmer does and then weigh for themselves how they, how they find the importance of size and see if size matters to them or not. Do you, um, so for me, size matters. Yeah. Do, you, uh, do you think you need to run a skimmer 24-7? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I see no disadvantage in running a skimmer 24-7 because like I said, Low nutrients is a good problem to have. That just means you can feed more. Yep. High import, high export's a good thing. 
Um, yeah. So I was going to kind of transition into a, uh, you know, um, where do you think this hobby is heading in the future? And K-Dub Corals kind of um, was thinking the same thing here. He um, He's asking a question to you, Greg, in terms of, you know, do you think the reefing community, uh, well, let's see, reefing community is the future of the coral species, or, or do you think there will be a recovery in the oceans with the projects that are underway? So I guess what he's he's asking is, do you think things will recover, you know, in the na- on, on our natural reefs, or do you think really us reefers are going to be um, a key integral part in terms of really, I guess, um, propagating and, and um, you know, culturing what we're going to end up having in our tanks because, you know, it's changed. I mean, years ago when you first got yeah. to the hobby, everything was wild caught, right? You weren't, you weren't doing right. frags. And, and so now it's, it's, it's completely flip flop. Right. So, so here's my, my thing about the uh, reefing community. Unfortunately, there is a big detachment from the reefing community, the hobbyist and the scientist. And, Right now, they think the right thing to do is to shut everything down and prevent us from taking things off the reef. The reality is the coral hobby, the reefing hobby, it's like picking flowers. We're taking so little. Even if we're harvesting wild colonies, we're taking so little off the reef. It's, it's not a big deal. It's like when you have a 12-inch diameter colony and you cut 20 frags off of it, that's nothing. In a week, it's already grown over, and then you can cut the other side. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's just picking flowers. You know, when you have a colony that's 20 feet in diameter and then you take, you cut a, a six-inch branch off of it, you know, uh, you know, a, a staghorn or something. That's nothing. And, and the scientific community acts like we're destroying the hobby. I mean, we're destroying the, 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 right. the reefs. We're right. not. We're not. But because they feel that way, we're going to be forced into propagation in the future. They're trying to shut everything down. And guess what? They're not going to come to us when it comes time to have to re. Uh, to, Re- to, to put everything back Repopulate. on, the, on yeah. the reef. Yeah, because they're going to say, oh, well, you know, our stuff could be tainted. We have different animals that may have, you know, they may have different, uh, uh, you know, bacteria that we don't want to reintroduce back into the ocean. There's always going to be a reason. So, you know, they're never looking to us to solve the problem. They think they can solve the problem. And what I tell you is when it comes to reef keeping, go into any public aquarium and you tell me if they have better tanks than the hobbyists out there. They don't. They never do. So <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> so uh, K-Dub Coral, I actually have misinterpreted K-Dub Coral's question. He, he is saying 70%, oh. but I, that was a good uh, conversation, a good, good, uh, good information, but uh, he is saying 70% of the reefs are gone from global warming, not from us taking the coral. That, that is his question, I guess. He's talking about the um, you know, global warming as, as the impact on the reefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, until the earth, until the, the, the earthlings decide to do something about global warming, um, it's just going to go away. But I just don't think, my, my thoughts are 
we shouldn't be penalized for it because we're the ones that truly can keep these things alive. We can do it a lot better than the scientists. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I agree proven that. totally. So um, there is some uh, – Jason Cruz asked a question. He asked, which skimmer do I like yeah. best? Um, there's a lot that I like. I like all the Royal Exclusive skimmers. Um, I used to like the Vertex skimmers. Um, I like skimmers that produce a lot of air um, and small bubbles. If it can produce a lot of air, small bubbles, and low turbulence, that's a good skimmer in my mind. Big fan of the Reef Octopus uh, Elite Series. It's a great, great skimmer that's, that's pretty common and easy to come by. Um, one of the skimmers that I really, really think they just came around at the wrong time, but the ATI Power Cone. There is no skimmer that has a higher air to water ratio than the ATI power cone. You know, you get a 10 inch skimmer that can do 3000 liters an hour of air. I mean, that's better than my vertex. My vertex does 2000 liters an air, hour yeah. of air. I mean, 50% more and the bubbles are much smaller. It's like shaving cream <laughs> in there. I think that's a, the most underrated skimmer on the market today um but you know you can't find them anywhere and unfortunately uh the production of it was delayed so long by the time it came out no one cared yep so it is I what it you. is hey did we uh, talk about your calcium reactor in terms of what you're using for a calcium reactor so at the moment i i actually uh just placed my order for my calcium reactor i'm going with the uh reef octopus cr220 um, it's a nine-inch uh, diameter single-chamber calcium reactor. I don't think dual chambers are necessary. I guess, as the Europeans say, if if you make the calcium reactor right in the first place, you don't need a second chamber. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a pretty decent size uh, 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 skim. I mean, a uh, calcium reactor, um, and it's got a screw-on lid. Screw-on lid for refill. Wow. I do not want no thumb, thumb screws. No thumb screws. <laughs> <laughs> no thumb screws. So uh, that that was that's for me. You know, all that you need on a calcium reactor is a big chamber and a reliable pump. It's got the Varios pump, uh, which even uh, uh, BRS uh, Bulk Reef Supply uh, Ryan, good friend of mine, uh, told me he's like that's one of their most reliable pumps that they have. They have very very few returns wow. on that pump or complaints. So, so Greg, we've um, we've talked a lot in terms of um, you know what you like to, to do as a reef keeper and you know what you believe is important. Um, you know the equipment you like to use, that sort of thing. Could you sum up in, in just like the three most important things in your mind in terms of having success? And let's say with an SPS dominant reef tank, what are the three most important things that you okay. think are or, you know, folks should take from this? Well, one of the things, uh, you know, I always say SPS means stability promotes success. It's been my signature in every forum uh, that I've ever, that I've ever been that. on. That, you know, the corals can adapt. The corals can adapt to high temperatures. You want to keep your tank at 80, great. You want to keep your tank at 76, great. Just keep it there. 
wherever you can settle in and keep it, that's that's what you want to do. Um, if you can if you can keep the pH in a high range, great. But you know what? My 225, the highest it ever got was 8.0, the pH. Never got any higher. Had a huge calcium reactor, and the demand for all those huge colonies was outrageous. So I had to run the calcium reactor hard, which means you're dumping a lot of CO2 into the day. It's, you just, it, it's, to me, it's, that's the most important thing you could ever do. Um, I'm big on water changes. I think water changes are an instant reset. You have an issue, do a water change. At least you know you get back to where you were water quality wise. Um, the third thing, the third thing is 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 uh, good quality light. Um, I think people get obsessed over all the little things that lights can do. You know, oh, I want dimming and all that stuff. Man, freaking turn the thing on and turn it <laughs> off. It doesn't have to dim. We, we, we did this with metal halides. We did this with T5 before we had dimming and all that stuff. It works. The corals will grow. They don't care. that It can go from high noon to pitch black at 10 p.m. at night. And the, you know what? Everything's going to be there tomorrow when the lights come back on. So quit obsessing over all the little things. Less is more in this hobby. Yeah, no. I think that's about yeah, it. Yeah, well, those are some uh, three pretty uh, darn good uh, points. So, um, Greg, we're gonna yeah. uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up um, in a couple of minutes. But um, okay. you know, we didn't talk about Reef of Palooza. I don't know if you wanted to talk about you know that. I guess the um, the New York show has been rescheduled to um, December. December. Are you hopeful yeah. that that's gonna happen? And the Orlando show, the Orlando show is scheduled for September. Um, as of right now, uh, and Chicago is in October. As of right now, those are happening. We had to cancel California. Um, unfortunately, here in Cali, uh, we have the issue that there's only, in Orange County, there's only two hotels that have a ballroom big enough for us in the entire wow. county. They have no available weekends for us to move to. So we had to postpone till next right. year uh, our show. Uh, Orlando, uh, I mean, Disney's about to reopen and, and they haven't, you know, if things change, you know, they'll have to cancel it. Uh, the East Coast shows are run by Worldwide Corals. It's a, it's a partnership with them. Um, there's, a, there's a few of us from Southern California Marine Aquarium Society that do fly out there to work the show. More or less to make sure it operates in the spirit of a Reefapalooza. You know, our club created Reefapalooza, and you know, to us, it's supposed to be just a fun time, a celebration of the hobby. You know, not too many speakers, just have fun. That's that's the big thing, you know, about our hobby, the camaraderie and whatnot. So, you know, when you go into one of our shows, it's going to be loud. It's you know, there's. You'll hear me speaking over the, <laughs> the microphone, you know, making announcements and everything. We do fantastic raffles. I, you know, I think raffles are are awesome. Uh, it's one of those things. It's really cool to go to a reef show and and buy twenty bucks worth of tickets and come home with a radio, there you go. or or come home with an abyss pump. 
literally at the Reef of Lusa, California, we've given away abyss pumps the last two years. I think we've given away three or four of them. So, I mean, anybody would want to win something like that. I mean, or a full, you know, full-blown aquarium system. I mean, just, it's, it's really fun. Um, I, I, you know, if, if you can make that trip to go to a reef show, I think you'll really have a blast. It is not like a Macna. It is different. Um, the the there there's no, there's it's not doesn't have the structure of a Macna. A Macna is is I think more of a, an exclusive uh, trade show. Um, you got a lot of industry people there uh, walking the show floor and whatnot. And a lot of people who are really, really in the high upper echelon of the hobby. Because to pay $100 to come in, you're not going to be a beginner. Reefapalooza is the exact opposite. 25 bucks, 20 bucks to get in, whichever, you know, depending on uh, what year and what place. But you're just going to have all levels of hobbyists, including the most important, people who don't even have aquariums that are thinking about yes, it. Yes, it's a great learning experience. And we wanna we wanna bring people into this hobby and we wanna keep them in this hobby. And the way to do that is with excitement. Yeah. So that's that's I kind of do. um use the uh, the phrase um you know a reef of palooza or like a frag swap is almost like um, reef keeping speed dating. You, you know you go there and you, there's just so much to take in. Um you're net you're networking yeah. with other hobbyists you're 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 talking with the manufacturers directly about their equipment. It's just a great opportunity to meet a lot of different people. And, uh, you know, a lot of this um, connecting is digital, forum-based. You know, these days, you know, it's, it's changed a lot. So it's great to be able to go into person and see yeah. people in person, have conversations in person. Um, I think it's vitally, vitally important. Absolutely. And, and you know, just... Just every night, hanging out in the bar of the host hotel, the people, I mean, one time I had literally, and this was, I, I was kind of blown away. We had Ryan and Randy from Bulk Reef Supply on my left-hand side. I had uh, Jeremy from Brightwell sitting across from me. I had Ken from saltwateraquarium.com to the right of me. I had... The guy from Fritz, you know, I mean, I mean, just all these people all sitting at one table just talking reef. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just fun. I mean, you know, we, we love to talk reef and it's and it's so cool. I mean, if if Orlando goes off, it is at an amazing hotel. And we have had over five hundred people outside between the lobby and the pool, all just having drinks, having a blast, talking aquariums. Yeah. It, you can't it, beat it. It's awesome, man. You can't beat it. It is awesome. All right, Greg, man, yeah. before we uh, sign off, any uh, any final words there? Uh-huh. Any, anything else you want to say? or? Well, um, you know, my whole thing, I want to see people succeed in this hobby. And I think a lot of people try to make this hobby harder than it has to be. Um, remember that less is more. The more facets you add to your reefing game, the more things that can go wrong. Um, other than that, I mean, 
you know, I can be reached, but, you know, I've kind of made the jump from uh, forums. Uh, they're, they're starting they're starting to, to die a little bit. I'm not on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I have a ton of followers on Instagram. If people want to follow me, it's gcarroll1969. If you're a reefer and you're on Instagram, put in GC. I'll pop up. I'll be the first thing. The little chef logo. Um, but, you know, feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions about reefing. Um, until my follower base gets to the point that I can't handle the questions, I'm going to answer them. I do my best. I got people from all over the world that literally, I mean, I got a guy that from Iran, uh, this guy Majid, who, you know, sends me messages all the time. And, you know, this is first tank and he's building, I'm like looking at this tank and I'm like, holy cow. I mean, all the money he's put into it, he's in Iran. I was like, how did he get all that stuff? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just amazing, this hobby, man. It's it's awesome to see people from all over the world all have the same passion uh, for the hobby that I have. Yeah, and, you know, people just go all in. I mean, that's, that's what this hobby yeah. does to you. You really just kind of get hooked, and you kind of get that bug, and you can't get the bug out of you. And, and it's um, it can be very um, – listen, it's, it's, it's not an easy hobby. And, um, you know, there is no one way to do it and there's no, um, you know, turnkey way to be a reef keeper. You, you got to put your time in, you got to make your mistakes and, and that's what it's about. It's a learning experience, but right. But always watch your corals, your corals will tell you what you want to, you know, what's going on in your aquariums and K dub. I saw that comment. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go because I don't want you getting in trouble with your okay. wife. But uh, yeah, definitely. dude, thank you, dude, thank, thank you so much for being a guest, Greg. This was uh, this was awesome and a great learning experience. Hopefully for everybody that was tuning in. And um, next uh, July 9th, I got a buddy of yours going to be a guest of, a guest of mine. Uh, Joe Caparato is going to be on the show at um, awesome 7 p.m. Eastern time on July 9th. So hopefully everybody will uh, come back and I'll be tune there in for that one. But uh, until then, absolutely, uh, you be safe out there, Greg, and everybody else. Um, you know, be safe, stay well, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Adios. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. That this was awesome. I never would have guessed this many people would have joined us live. So well, I'm really, really pleased. Well, you're a very. And thanks for all the questions. You're a uh, you're you're a great guest. So that's why uh, people were tuning in, Greg. Thank you. All right, everybody. Adios. <laughs> Thank you.